credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. Hey, and welcome to the Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Dave's here again, which makes this a special edition of Short Stuff. Don't you feel special? I do. Chuck does. It's Short Stuff. Let's go. So this had a recent inspiration as well. Uh, as the last one that we just recorded about washerwomen, this <laughs> right. one was... Uh, Emily and I, for her birthday every year, we go to a new place that we've never been for a weekend. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, someplace that's not, you know, obviously super far because it's like a long weekend. And we look at a map and just say, like, this looks interesting. And this year it was Santa Fe, New Mexico. Awesome. Highly recommend. Have you ever been there? I don't think so. I may have driven through, but it's possible it was a different part of New Mexico. I'm not sure. Great town. Uh, didn't know it, but it's like one of the art capitals of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a road called Canyon Road where there's literally a hundred plus galleries and you just start at one end and start walking. Uh, great food, two of the best meals I've ever had in my life. But on the drive from Albuquerque to Santa Fe, Emily looked over at the expanse and said, what's that big flat mountain <laughs> over there? And there's like a few of them. And I went, I don't know. And then I went, wait a minute. And this is a kid from the South and a, and a, his w- wife from the, uh, Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, because it sounds like we're dummies that we didn't know what this was. But I went, you know what? I said, I think that's a mesa. I said, I think a mesa is like a flat topped thing. And it is. And now we're going to talk about it. Yeah. All those Roadrunner cartoons paid off finally. <laughs> yeah. Those were mesas, so, I guess. huh? Yeah, definitely. So um, the the mesa is named after the table and it's a Spanish word for table. And the reason that it has a Spanish name is because in the 16th century, Spanish explorers slash conquistadors slash colonialists, I guess, came up from Mexico in search of um, a city of gold mm-hmm. called the Seven Cities of Cibola, which I'd never heard of, but it's basically akin to El Dorado. And of course, they didn't find it because those kind of lost cities of gold don't actually exist. But they did see some really amazing geological features that no European had ever seen. And one of the things that they they slapped a label on was those amazing mesas that you saw. And again, they called it table because it's a flat top and uh, sides that drop off very steeply. That's right. Uh, you can't talk about mesas, though, without talking about their flat-headed partners, uh, the Butte and the Plateau. And uh, beginning of the 19th century is where the word butte came from, of course, from the French. Uh, it is not a Spanish word at all. Uh, but a butte and a mesa, uh, depending on who you talk to, there may be a definition, like a literal definition of size, uh, like comparative size. But mm-hmm. I think generally you would just say it's a mesa if it is wider than it is tall. Mm-hmm. And it's a butte if it's taller than it is wide. That seems sensible because some of these other ones get a little wonky. Like one one definition of mesa is it has to have a surface area of less than four square miles. Like who can tell? <laughs> yeah, who's going to get up there and measure? If you can look at that with a thumb even and right. be like, that's a mesa, <laughs> that's a butte. Yes, exactly. And impress your friends who aren't from the Southwest. Yeah, I'm just glad I got it right because I, I would have felt like a real dummy if I would have said mesa and I was completely off. 
Yeah. So let's uh, let's take a break, an early break, and come back and talk about how these things form, okay? Because it's pretty interesting if you ask me. Agreed. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Okay, Chuck, you have Mesa fever, so I think you should kick this off. <laughs> well, I mean, both of us love uh, landforms. We love geographical science mm-hmm. and earth science, and it doesn't get any better than mesas and buttes and plateaus, my friend. Uh, these are very, very flat on top, and it is basically due to the rock that is forming them. Uh, it's sedimentary rock, and it's accumulated. This isn't something that happens in an instant, it happens over millions of years. These things are formed, mm-hmm. but uh, that top rock—it's called a cap rock—and it's it's flat on top because it is eroded down to that level. It didn't used to look like that. It used to probably be more pointy, like a mountain or something. Uh, but it is worn away over the years till it gets to that cap rock, and then the cap rock says, "No, I'm uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm too hard to erode. I may even be hardened lava, for all you know." Uh, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to be flat. Right. That's not the story for the sedimentary rocks, though. Sedimentary rock is laid in layers made up of little particles of rock. And it's pretty hard. But the old saying, 
live by the particle, die by the particle <laughs> has never been truer when it comes to sedimentary rock because yeah. it can be weathered back into particles depending on whether it's exposed to water or wind, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And when you step back and look at a mesa, what you're looking at is a piece of land that used to be as tall as that capstone that isn't now because over millions of years, water has run down the sides and carved a bunch of it, including the surrounding landscape, away. Yeah, and it's it's more water. You did mention wind. Wind has a bit of an effect, but not nearly as much as water. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's just cool. Like this, uh, this great article points out that, and this is one of my favorite things, when you get a new landform from the million-year erosion of a different landform, yeah. Like you end up getting something else entirely. And that's the case with uh, Mesa's Buttes and Plateaus. Um, plateau, I don't fully get the difference between a plateau and a mesa. Is it? I got it. Is it just that a plateau only has to have one side that's eroded? Yeah. It's okay. like the difference between a peninsula and an island, but land on land. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. And the cool thing is, is the plateau is the grandfather of mesas and buttes, right? Yeah, I mean, the plateau came around first. Right. So it's this piece of land that's pushed up, usually from um, magma, that wants to break through the, the Earth's crust but can't find a weak enough spot, but it's so strong and there's so much pressure, it actually pushes up a pretty good-sized chunk of the Earth, at least on one side. Now you have yourself a plateau. But there may have been a river on that um, air, that part of the land. Mm -hmm. A river might somehow spontaneously form in the rainy season. Um, there's a lot of ways that water can end up on a plateau. And as it does, it wants off that plateau. It wants back to sea level as fast as it can go. And as it moves, um, it takes a lot of that sedimentary rock, not the capstone, but the sedimentary rock below it with it. Yeah, and here's the thing with rain out there. It's not like rain here in the deep south where there's all this rich soil that just soaks it all up and it rains for three days and uh, somehow still never floods because the land is just drinking it up. Right. Those arid landscapes out there, the rain comes in very hard and very fast and generally leaves pretty fast. And it's very intense and the the water isn't uh, or the ground isn't soaking it up like it is with this uh, rich soil that we have. So I remember being out west Seeing a storm coming from the distance, because you can see forever out there, and me and my buddy Brett going, man, that looks ominous. Mm -hmm. And it got closer and closer and closer until we were right in the middle of it and saw sideways rain, saw telephone poles being, it was almost a tornado, literally being ripped up and falling across the road in front of us. Wow. And we stopped and got out. It was so scary. And we saw, I'll never forget it, we saw water running uphill. Oh, yeah. I've heard this story. I I don't know how to explain it, but we saw a definite like stream of water going and it wasn't like straight uphill or anything, but mm -hmm. it was going up an incline. And I guess that was just a testament to how much water there was and it was looking for a place to be. Right. It couldn't go downhill. So it was like, well, I'll just go up, I guess. I mean, it eventually found a place to go downhill. I assume we didn't follow it. We should have. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You guys had your inner Bill Paxson and Helen Hunt. They just didn't get fully engaged, I guess. Uh, but this water, you know, it carries with it a lot of loose sediment. And the faster it's running, like it eventually becomes a river. And it's just carrying these, like, you know, larger and larger pieces of rock and sediment. That's where your money erosion is going to happen to the point where one day you may have, like, oh, I don't know, a Grand Canyon. 
Yeah, so that's that river's going to carve out the canyon. So that comes from a plateau or it can. And then the canyon can be further divided into things like mesas and eventually buttes. And I think, Chuck, I might be wrong, but I think a butte is a, is a, 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 um, a younger, no, an older mesa. Maybe. Wouldn't that be correct? Couldn't that be possible? I guess because they're taller and thinner. Yeah, so it's possible that it's just lost more off the sides than the mesa that is nearby did because the mesas say hasn't it hasn't been eroded as long as the butte. But regardless, if you look at a mesa or a butte, it's it's got the flat top. It also has the steep sides, but then at the bottom, it kind of slopes yeah. gracefully away in either direction, away from it. And um, the reason why is because that sedimentary rock that that flash flooding and flash uh, upward flowing water takes with it kind of deposits a lot of it at the bottom, at the base of the mesa or the butte, and that gives it its characteristic look. Yeah, and you know the best thing about this show is someone who knows a lot more about earth sciences than we do. Mm-hmm. We'll hopefully write in and confirm you and say, yeah, you were right on it, Josh. Yeah, I'd love hearing that. Or gently correct us and uh, we'll read that. I can't stand that. <laughs> no, we're fine with those. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, I don't really have anything else. You got anything else? No, I think that's it for Mesas and Buttes for now. Who knows? Maybe we'll learn more about it someday and come back. Uh, shout out Santa Fe. Go check it out. It's a it's a great town. We miss the Balloon Festival, but... Uh, Go down Canyon Road, look at art, and then a big shout out to the restaurants uh, Geronimo and Cezanne. Mm. Literally two of the best meals I've ever had right there in that little sleepy town in Mexico. That's awesome. And happy birthday to Emily, too. Um, and also, I remember now, I haven't been to New Mexico. I was just confused from watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Chuck laughed at a joke of mine, so that means short stuff's out. Short stuff's out.